Welcome to the Littlestown Chapel podcast. When you get an opportunity, check us out on the web at littlestownchapel.org. Well, how wonderful it is to be with you this morning. And if Dan feels intimidated by Brock, I feel very, very intimidated by Brock. So I just want to let you know that. Actually, I am thrilled also just to see our teens going to Chicago, to see these young men uh, taking responsibility here as part of our worship, the young ladies serving as well. What a great privilege and what a great opportunity to to witness that as a church family, Um, to truly model that philosophy that it's not the future of the church, but this is our church family. This is our family serving together and working together, honoring and respecting one another as well. So it's absolutely critical that we be consistent that way as a a church family also. So we've been talking this last several weeks about the fact that Christ transforms our lives. And we've been using as our text the letter that Paul, the apostle, wrote to the church in Ephesus in ancient uh, Turkey, and how in that passage, uh, in that book, there's a section where he talks about the change that happens in people's lives when they meet Jesus Christ. And we've talked also about how there's one area in particular in the area of our relationships where the dynamic power of Christ really comes and is able to change everything and, and change the home in such a powerful way. And so we've been focusing these last, this last week and this week on marriage. And I know right away some of you are thinking, well, I'm not married. I'm not interested in getting married. I was married and it wasn't for me. Uh, I'll never get married. And so you're just kind of tuning out right now. I get that, okay? I want to encourage you to turn the receiver back on and listen. And I'm, I'm asking you to do that. I, I know we all listen to this radio station I know you listen to it. I know you listen to it. I listen to it too. It's this radio station, WIIFM. Everybody listens to that station. You know what that is? What's in it for me? WIIFM. What's in it for me? And you're asking, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? And I just want to say there's a couple things in it for everybody here. When we talk about marriage, we're talking about relationships. And what husbands and wives are asked to do to each other and for each other in the home are the same kind of things that everybody's asked to do as they relate to other Christians, as they relate to their coworkers, as they relate to their friends. I understand in marriage there are the unique things involved in a husband and wife relationship. There are unique responsibilities. There's a unique role. But we're all commanded to submit to one another. We're commanded to honor one another. We're commanded to bear each other's burden. We're commanded to love one another and and put one another first. We're, We're commanded to treat each other that way in the church and outside the church. We're commanded to do that. And so this is what it looks like inside the home between a husband and wife in marriage. So it's unique and specialized in its application, I admit. But there's the principle that is applied to all of our relationships. The other thing that I just think makes it important that we all tune in and turn the volume up and listen loud and clear right now is because marriage is a foundational relationship in our culture and in our church. And we need to help each other. We need to encourage each other. Whether you're single or married, you need to help the people around you who are married because it's important for their kids. It's important for one another. It's important for our community and for our church family's health. 
Someday you may be thinking about getting married. Take some notes and remember this, okay, when you're looking for your wife or husband. Some of you maybe suffered the loss of a failed marriage. Maybe this will help you rebuild, renew, start over. This might be good help for you in that way. So I want to encourage you. This is something vital for everybody. And I want to make one more little caveat here at the beginning. There's folks here who have been married six weeks, and there are folks who have been married 60-plus years. And it would be easy for those of us who have been married longer to say, I already know that. I already got that. We're good. Got that down. You better check in with your spouse about that to make sure that you're really that good, to make sure that everything really is fine, to make sure that all's going well, that your marriage is what it could be. Because I have a hunch that what you think is going great maybe isn't going, it maybe is not going that great. And you might need to check on that. So let's bring a teachable spirit to this lesson this morning. Let's look at God's word with an open heart and an open mind and, and a willingness to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say as we read the scripture today. And so we're gonna do that right now by looking at Ephesians chapter five, starting at verse 21. This is on page 978. Now, some of you people that were here last week are thinking, you read that last week, and we already studied that. I thought we were going to make some progress and look at something else. And I just want to say that until we get it, we should keep looking at it, okay? And I say that to me. I say that to me. I think it's worth looking at this passage again, even though we explored it and kind of picked up every rock and looked under every, every leaf and we kind of looked along the path to see what the scripture says about our relationship with our husbands and wives in marriage. And yes, there's something that we can learn new and afresh today. Last week we focused on the fact that your marriage matters, that God is doing something in your marriage. Your marriage matters not just to you and not just to your spouse, but it matters to Jesus Christ. It honors him. It has the potential of honoring him. It is a way for you to grow in your relationship with God's Holy Spirit. It's like a gymnasium where you exercise and learn what it means to really walk and be filled in the spirit with the Spirit. It's also a battleground, not against your spouse, but it's a place of warfare because you and your spouse together are claiming a, a piece of territory for the kingdom of God, your marriage. And as you honor one another and love one another and be committed to each other in marriage and apply the scripture, you're claiming ground for the kingdom of God. You're advancing his kingdom in this world. You're not fighting against each other, but you're fighting against the evil one who wants to tear marriages down and tear our church and community down as well. So it's a spiritual battle. It's also a place your marriage is, is a place where God wants to meet the needs of those who are in marriage, to, to help them grow and become wiser and stronger and healthier spiritually. And so when a wife is willing to honor her husband by respecting him and yielding to him, that blesses him and makes him stronger. It helps him. And as a husband unselfishly serves his wife and sacrifices for her and loves her and lays down his life for her, that blesses her and helps her, yes. But there's also something going on that husbands learn to be wiser and stronger from their wives. And wives can learn to be better 
people from their husbands as well as we learn to use our gifts in marriage. And so it's something that God uses to make us stronger, better people. There's no question. But there's something else about your marriage that makes it so important, and that is it points to Christ. Everything in this passage reminds us that we're doing this because we belong to Christ. We're talking about a Christian marriage. We're talking about a marriage where Christ is at the center of the home. We're talking about yielding to him and letting him work in our lives. And in the process, our marriage points us to Jesus to remind us that we need him more than anything else. It also is a reflection of Jesus to the watching world as well. So that's why your marriage matters to God. That's what this passage says. But today we want to focus not so much on that your marriage matters, but we want to talk about what's the matter with your marriage. We want to focus on the fact that maybe there are things in your marriage that are not going well. And we want to talk about the matters that are taking place in your marriage that will help it get stronger and healthier. And as we look at this passage, I want to re- remind you that really this passage is not focusing so much on your spouse as it is on you and me, that we would take responsibility for what we need to do to make our marriages better. Some of us are sitting back saying, well, you know, when my husband or my wife finally gets his or her act together, then we will then have a happy marriage. And this passage is going to say to you, "Uh uh-uh, buddy, (laughs) you need to clean up your side of the street. That's what they say in recovery. You've got to clean up your side of the street. You've got to take responsibility for your actions. You've got to take responsibility on your part to make your marriage better. Because you know what? A good counselor will remind you that the only person that you have the power to change is yourself. The only person that you have any kind of authority over to really change and make better is yourself. You're the only person you can control. You can't control your spouse. You can't control any other human being. You can only control yourself. You can only change yourself. And so that's why this is so important, because the focus is on taking responsibility to make your marriage better. That's all we're talking about today. Okay, let's read God's Word. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see 
that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Give thanks to God for it. Thanks be to God. So take responsibility to make your marriage better. Well, how do you do that? What does this passage say we must do to take responsibility and make our marriage better? Well, I think we could look at the passage very carefully and understand that it starts off in verse 21 by saying that we all as believers are responsible to submit to one another. And you remember the word submission, said this, this is now the third week in a row. Submitting is the idea of yielding voluntarily to someone to cooperate with them, to let them be in charge, to let them be the leader and and serving under them and serving with them in the process. So it's this idea of yielding and cooperating. And so we're commanded in verse 21, we're supposed to be doing that as as fellow believers. That's a, a result of God's Holy Spirit filling our lives, empowering us. He produces that kind of willing yieldedness and cooperation that we would care for and love and honor one another in Christ. Men and women, uh, fellow members of the body of Christ, we would do that. But then the specific application begins to occur in the area of marriage, beginning in verse 22, because the the way that wives show that they are submitting to one another is when they submit to their husbands as to the Lord. And then notice verse 25. Husbands, they are commanded to love their wives. Now, at first you might be thinking, it sounds like they've got different responsibilities. And actually, I believe their responsibilities are very, very similar, even though he's using different terminology there. Because I think what he's trying to say is, you, as you use the analogy of Jesus, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and his body and his bride, the church, he's saying that the wife is like the church and Jesus is an example for the husband. And so the wife needs to submit. She needs to voluntarily yield and surrender and give herself to her husband and follow his lead. But then when you see the description of what a husband is supposed to do, and it's still in the context of submitting to one another, in verse 25 it says that he is to love, the husbands are to love their wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then he begins to describe the process of Jesus surrendering his life for the church and purifying the church and cleansing the church, even though we were filthy sinners. Even though we had violated God's law, we hurt ourselves and hurt other people and we had offended God by the way we live our lives as sinners, Jesus Christ looked past all that filth and dirt and said, I love you, and he gave himself to the church by dying on the cross in our place. And so the the bottom line here is, is if you truly are going to take responsibility to make your marriage better, then you need to be willing to give yourself voluntarily to your spouse. That's the first thing we do. You yield yourself to your spouse. You say, I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to put you first. I'm willing to let you, your needs, be what dictate what I do. I'm willing to put you first. So when a wife voluntarily chooses to yield to her husband, she's respecting him and she's serving him and she's honoring him in that way. Letting him be the loving servant leader in the home. And when a husband chooses to be that and takes responsibility to be the loving servant leader, he's not lording it over his wife or dictating to his wife or forcing his wife to obey or anything like that. Not at all. He's voluntarily choosing to sacrifice for her. 
He's voluntarily choosing to put her first, her needs first, to, to bless her, to build her up, to, in a sense, save her, like Jesus saves the church and purifies the church. And so there's this, this giving aspect of surrendering yourself for the betterment of the other person in marriage. That's what's required if you're gonna make your marriage better, to just have this attitude, this spirit of sacrifice, a spirit of giving and surrender. And really what's the enemy of healthy marriages is selfishness and my way and I've got my rights and I'm gonna do what I want and what's in it for me. When we bring that attitude into marriage, we, we hurt our marriages in the process. And I understand you need to have boundaries and we need to honor and respect and don't let people walk all over you and I get all that. That's important to know. But the bottom line in this passage is for a Christian marriage to be healthy and strong, it starts with the act of surrender, the act of giving and putting the other first, not defending yourself, not demanding your own way, but yielding to your husband and yielding to your wife in loving sacrifice. That's what we're called to do, and it's important to see that, having that spirit of cooperation and yieldedness and allowing them to go first. That's what makes our marriage healthy and strong. Now, the thing is, you might be saying, well, if my husband were better and kinder and gentler, then I would be able to yield to him. Of course, if he were smarter or wealthier. And maybe some of you men are thinking, if my wife were lovelier, if she were prettier, if she were kinder, if she were this or that, and you could list all these things, these expectations, that you, if she were just like that, then I would be able to give in and, and serve her and sacrifice to her. And that's never, ever, ever a condition for how we're to give ourselves to our spouses that they meet some sort of expectation, that they rise and, and become what we, we demand and expect. It's never that. That's never a condition for you lovingly giving yourself in sacrifice and service to your spouse and surrendering to them. No, the reason we do this is because of Christ's example. We do this because of Jesus. And so the wife is called on to give herself to her husband and submit to him as to the Lord. You're doing it as part of your worship of Christ and surrendering to him. And the husband is called to love his wife as Christ has loved the church. And so the standard of comparison there is not how good my wife or my husband is or how great and good I am, but it's Jesus. It's yielding to him. It's recognizing that he has set the supreme example. And the thing is, this is what's really astounding to me that when we look at the sweep of Scripture, the story of Scripture, you understand and I understand that really Jesus is the model for the husband and how to love his wife, but Jesus is also the model to the wife of how to submit to her husband. Have you ever thought about that? Okay, we get it in this passage starting in verse 25. Yeah, it's a bit obvious, a bit because some of us men are slow and we need to have things be made obvious to us. But there it is, very blatantly put out in front of us, right in our face. You love your wife just like Jesus loved the church. But the wives are called to submit to their husbands like they're submitting to Jesus. How did Jesus lead the church? How did Jesus care for the church? What did Jesus do to save the church? In Philippians chapter two, it says that he left the glory of heaven 
And he humbled himself and he came to earth and he clothed himself with humanity and not just a great human, but he chose to become a servant or a slave. And he humbled himself to the, the point of death and, and even worse than death, he died like a criminal on a cross. You see, Jesus is the ultimate submitter. He's the ultimate servant. He's the ultimate person who came under the authority of somebody else. He voluntarily chose to put himself under the authority of his heavenly father. He willingly chose to do that. And he did that out of love, out of care, out of grace, to rescue us, to save us. He did that. And so when a, when a wife is called on to submit to her husband and serve him and show respect to him, she's following the example, the powerful example of Jesus who did that to save you and me. And when a husband is called to love his wife and serve his wife and give to his wife and lay down his life day by day and moment by moment for his wife instead of putting himself first, he's to follow the example of Jesus because he is the supreme sacrifice. And so for a wife, she's looking at Jesus the servant and as a husband, he's looking at Jesus the sacrifice and savior. And you see very clearly that Jesus is the example to both the husbands and wife of how to be a better husband and wife. And you say, but Jesus wasn't married. And that's true, he wasn't. But you know what? He left heaven and he came to earth looking for a bride. And he died for that bride, it says in this passage. And he sacrificed himself. And it says that even now, he is purifying and cleansing and making beautiful the bride of Christ. And the day is coming in the very near future when Jesus returns and he will get married to his bride for all eternity. And you and I get to be part of that as the church. And so it's, it's, it's just incredibly important that you and I see this. That if we truly are going to take responsibility to make our marriages better, to not be content that they're okay with the status quo, which by the way is Latin for the mess we're in, okay? Just kidding. But if we're not content with the status quo and we truly want to improve our marriages, then we need to take responsibility to make it better. Don't wait for your spouse. You make it better. How? By giving yourself sacrificially and lovingly in surrender to your spouse. How? By following the example of Jesus, the servant savior. Follow him. Now, the thing is though, a lot of us in our marriages we want to improve them. And so I get the idea that I'm supposed to serve my wife or my husband. And I'm supposed to yield to them and give myself to them. And I know I'm supposed to follow the example of Jesus and I want to do that. But I just struggle because it just seems like we're still out of tune. We're misfiring. You know, not all the cylinders are firing. And, and we need to tune up our relationship. And, and, and things aren't just going well. And, and I think that's why Paul is challenging us. By the way, Paul was single telling a bunch of Married people, how to live their marriages. I thought that was very fascinating here. Another reason to listen. But as he's saying here, he's challenging us that you need to connect. I need to connect to my spouse. Because in verse 31, 
as he's explaining all this relationship of Jesus to the church and purifying the church and the church is the body of Christ and belonging to Christ and Christ cares for his body, so husbands need to care for their wives and do that. He then brings in this quotation from Genesis chapter 24, chapter 2, verse 24, where it says this, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast, literally cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And that's not just a great verse for a, a wedding ceremony, but it's a reminder of the work, of the effort, of, of the, what's required to really grow closer to your spouse and, and develop a, a holy, happy marriage. Not just holy matrimony, but have a happy matrimony as well. And it starts with a leaving father and mother and cutting the cords of allegiances to them and then turning and connecting to your spouse and sticking to your husband or sticking to your wife like glue. Fusing with them, not feuding, fusing with them. Holding fast to them. So how do we do that? Well, he says in a very obvious way that they become one flesh. Well, what, what again, just the, the imagery there of a husband and wife coming together in, in physical intimacy. But it's, it's, not just, it's not just anatomy and sex. It's, it's not just that. It's bigger than that. For a couple to really become one, I think there's several things involved. And again, this is found in Scripture. I think it, it certainly involves commitment. That commitment to make the vow to one another. To, to, to say, till death do us part. I'm going to stay true to you no matter what. And so when you're out on a business trip and you're tempted to go with the guys to that club or you're by yourself and you're online, you're saying, I'm, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to flirt with that person. I'm not going to do that because I'm committed to my spouse. I'm going to be loyal to her. I'm going to be loyal to him. And I'm going to honor this commitment and not let anything else get in the way. And so there's a commitment keeping the vow and remembering the vow each day, looking at your wedding bands and remembering that it was a set of promises. That's what this is all about. It's a ring of reminder that we've made a vow to someone to be faithful to them till death to us part. Becoming one in marriage and, and being connected to your spouse is not just about commitment, it's also about communication. It's about learning to talk and listen. And some of us are really good talkers and not good listeners. And some of us can listen and listen and listen, but we don't really express ourselves well. And somehow we have to learn to do both things in marriage if we're going to have a holy and happy matrimony. Communication is like the nervous system of the marriage. And if, like in your physical body, if you have an injury or a stroke and there's a, a, a damage to the nervous system, then you become paralyzed or mute or you're just not able to express yourself in any way and you're not able to respond to things like Unless you learn to communicate, your marriage gets paralyzed. So this business of learning to be an active listener really matters. 
that you're really seeking to understand what your spouse is saying and maybe to the point where you even need to repeat it back. You know, you're telling me this and this is what's important to you. That's active listening and being fully engaged and turning off the TV and putting away the cell phone and silencing it or doing something to be able to give the focused attention in that moment of being a better listener, to really get what they're saying. But then it also involves an assertiveness where you're willing to speak up and say, this is what I really think and feel. And to be able to say, this is what's on my heart and this is what I'm concerned about or I don't like this. And, and, and not just saying we need to do this, but this is what matters to me. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm struggling with or this is what I think we need to do. And being willing to be assertive in that way. And you know, you might be challenged as an active listener. You might be challenged as being assertive in your communication. Whatever it is, just because there are a lot of words doesn't mean that there's communication. And just because someone's silently listening doesn't mean that there's communication. There's got to be a willing to listen and respond to each other. This communication is vital to a healthy marriage and connectedness. And so even to take the time and have time where you just ask, and not just the general ones, I'm, I'm known for this in my family, I've been reminded of this, and I need to keep working on it. It's an area where I need to keep growing. But to, you know, not just to ask general questions like, how are you? But you know, like, how was your day specifically when you went to this doctor's appointment, or when you did this, or when you had that? And that's not just with my spouse, but with my kids, because they've ragged on me too. Dad, I just wish you'd be a little more specific. You know, what are you really wanting to know? Do I really care? Am I really paying attention to what is being said? That's, that's really critical. That's part of good communication. So connectedness depends on commitment and it depends on communication. But it also depends on cultivating intimacy. Cultivating intimacy. And so uh, somebody after church today said that they were going to go home and start working on their garden. And I thought, that's great. You know, that's wonderful that they're doing that. I don't know what to do in a garden except pull weeds, and that's fine. But do you cultivate the garden of your marriage? Do you, do you pull out the rocks? Do you pull out the weeds? Do you put in the fertilizer? And some of you wives are thinking, if you heard my husband talk, we have a lot of fertilizer in our garden. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, okay. Let me just encourage you that cultivating intimacy is not just reading a sex manual. Can I just be blunt and say that? It is, it is about developing a greater sense of closeness. And how do you develop that greater sense of closeness? It certainly involves time together. It certainly involves being close to one another and removing even those emotional barriers. Because you can be side by side in a car and drive in icy silence and just be mad at each other, staring out the window as you're going and be, you know, within two feet of each other. But tearing down those barriers of, of asking for forgiveness and admitting wrong and, and granting forgiveness and listening carefully and speaking what you're really feeling and telling about that. And I get for us minutes hard to tell what you really feel. It might take three days to figure out what you really feel. I understand that. But at the same time, being honest about this is what you really feel and what you really think. So cultivating time together, cultivating a, a, a sense of closeness and removing the barriers between you. But it, it, it all starts with an honesty. This is, this is 
what I've struggled with. I'm, there, there are no closets that are locked. Every part of my life is open to my spouse. You can see it. I'm a little nervous about that, but you can see it. Will you love me anyway? But I'll let you see it. And that's just something you constantly have to work on. You never arrive at marriage. You come to a wedding day, but it's all uphill from there. If you really want to make it last, it takes a lot of work. I think that this verse, verse 33, 31, it's a reminder that we must work at clinging to one another. And the thing is, is that a lot of us, we get frustrated and we think, oh, I'm just, it's so hard to communicate to him or her. And, and communication with human beings is one of the hardest things that there is in life because humans are difficult. They are. And the whole, you know, men from Mars and women from Venus type of thing, there's something to that. There are differences. And while we say viva la difference and we like it, a lot of us are saying, what the heck? is going on here. I read recently that a, a, a woman who was talking about Christian marriage, she talked about her friends who were gay. She lives in a large metropolitan area and she has many friends who are homosexuals. And she, she says that when I talk to these gay men and these gay women, she will, they will tell me that it's easier being with a male husband, a male wife. And, and having that gay relationship. Why? Because it's just the communication so much easier because we just understand each other. It's easier when the two women are together because they just understand each other. And it's not that much work because we're both women or we're both men. And yet that's not God's design. That's not, that's not what we're supposed to do. And so heterosexual communication is extremely difficult in marriage, but then outside of marriage. Think about trying to deal with your coworkers that are of the opposite persuasion of gender and how they don't understand stuff and how they don't get what you're thinking and what you're saying and what you assume. It's, it's challenging. And you know how it is, how men, when they're together by themselves, make fun of the women about, oh, they're so hysterical and that kind of stuff. And how women go, you know, my, my husband, he's such a knuckle dragger and all this kind of stuff. And I think he's still living in his cave. I'm glad I'm here to civilize him. And so we make these jokes. We make these jokes about each other. Part of what we're joking about is the very big differences between men and women. And it takes work. It takes work. It takes time. It takes an attitude of giving yourself daily, always, for your husband and wife. It takes all this help in following the example of Jesus. But it takes something else. For you and I to do this, we can't do it on our own. We need help. We desperately need help. And for some people, if you're struggling and trying to make your marriage work and you're struggling with trying to stay connected and maybe there's been infidelity in the past or maybe there's some sort of trauma and abuse from your past, maybe a, a, a very terrible, catastrophic failed marriage in the past, and, and these are all things that just make it very hard to make this marriage work. Maybe there are all other sorts of expectations and things. It may be time for you and your spouse to consider visiting a counselor and working through these very difficult and demanding issues. Just being willing to put them on the table and talk about how to process them and what to do in light of it. It's worth doing that. And I want to encourage you to consider doing that.
I want to consider, I want you to consider and encourage you to, to invest in good books or, or videos that can help you grow in your marriage. There's a couple I just want to give a, a, a sales pitch to, and that is a Tim and Kathy Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage. This is like the, the theology of marriage, and it's a wonderful book. It's written by both of them. It's, they're great authors. They love the Word of God. They honor Christ. And they've, they've had a long, happy, lasting marriage in very difficult ministry situations. And I would encourage you to consider reading The Meaning of Marriage. That's like the philosophy and theology of marriage. This book is a, a favorite book of mine also. Someone gave this to, to uh, my wife and I years ago to encourage us, and we've used it to try to encourage and help some other couples as well. It's called A Lasting Promise, Fighting for Your Marriage, A Christian Guide to Fighting for Your Marriage. It's a set of authors there. This is excellent on communication stuff, communication issues, and that's what I think is probably the major problem in most troubled marriages is the lack of communication. So a lasting promise. And then here's a little pair of books that I think are a gold mine. This is a set of books for women only and for men only by Shanti and Jeff Feldhahn. And the Feldhahns are, one's a lawyer and the other was a Wall Street um, researcher. And they have interviewed like a thousand married couples and then done a deep dive into scripture. And they came up with a book to help men understand women. And you're probably saying, why is it so small? But it's really valuable, it really, really is, okay? And then for women only, uh, what you need to know about the inner lives of men, and you're probably saying, why is it so small too? And that's all right. Uh, but these are, these are really cool. And men, I just wanna say, this book for men, for men only, it has a quick start guide. So when you're like, What's, what is this book all about? Just pull the quick start guide out and read that. You know, like when you get a new uh, TV set or lawnmower or something like that and you need to figure out, how do I start it and get mowing the grass right now? You pull the quick start guide out. So that'll help you, okay? Something else that will really encourage you that I want to tell you about, about Shanti and Jeff Feldhahn. Right Now Media, the, the Christian Netflix uh, application that we've made available to you that we're paying a subscription for you for all everyone here at the church to be able to use the Feldhans have a series of videos on that website if you look up marriage and you look up Feldhahn Shanti and Jeff Feldhahn if you find them they have for men only the talks there for women only the talks there for couples only the talks there they are hilarious and yet they are so down to earth and so biblically centered I think you would be really really blessed if you get hold of any of their information as well but we need more help than that and that's why I am so thankful that God has sent his Holy Spirit and that's why in this whole context of the discussion of what Christian marriage is all about, when we see the sacrifices that we must make for each other as husbands and wives, when we see that we're to be following the example of Christ, when we recognize how hard it is to connect with one another in a world full of distraction, we need help. And the helper is the Holy Spirit. And so all of this is to be done in the filling of the Spirit. And I just, I, I need to say really quick, and in case in case you're thinking this, is that you're telling me to submit to my husband, but he's abusive. And I'm telling you, if that's happening in your marriage, then you need to get out of that marriage. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say that. You need to get out of that marriage. You need to come to the leaders of the church and report your husband. And we need to go to the authorities and say, this abuse has gotta stop and it's wrong, okay? 
So I want to encourage you to do that. If, if you have a friend that's in an abusive relationship, abusive marriage, you need to t- encourage her to get out as well. You need to help her do that. That is right to do. Verbal abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, it has no place in the church, has no place in marriage. And unfortunately, many churches and denominations and pastors and priests have used this text of Scripture to say a wife has to submit to her husband and she's just got to take it, whatever he dishes out. And that's not true. Because you know what this passage says is a wife is to voluntarily submit to her husband. Not the husband, make your wife submit. It doesn't say that. Because the example here is Christ giving himself to the church to save it, to serve it, to sacrifice himself for her. Okay. What if my husband doesn't really want to be a spiritual leader? What if my wife doesn't want to submit or follow? Take responsibility and understand, do what you can do to love your wife, to love your husband, and honor him that way. And you say, but it's so hard. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And so when we're told in verse 18 to be filled with the Spirit, remember, it's a command. It's not optional. It's not a suggestion. It's something that we're told that we must do. Let God's Spirit fill you up. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God is in you. Secondly, not just obey the command, but let Him take control. Live under His influence. But then understand that it's something that's to happen every day, every moment of the day. And so when you find yourself saying, I don't know that I can be patient in this moment. I don't know that I can sacrifice what I want to do to serve her or to honor him. I don't feel like showing respect in this moment. I don't feel like being gentle and kind and sacrificial in this moment. I don't feel like doing that. In that moment, that's when we cry out and we say, God, can you please empower me by your spirit to love my spouse through me? Here I am. You've got to help me. Being filled with the Spirit is life on power assist. And that's what He wants to do, is assist you in making the marriage that He has given you and called you to even better than it was before. Even if your, your beloved husband or wife is not a believer, even if your spouse is not where they should be spiritually, God wants to work through you to make your marriage better as you yield to the Lord and the filling of His Spirit because that's exactly what Christ did when he gave himself to save you and save me. Take responsibility to make your marriage better. You can do that. We can do that. Not in our strength, but in the strength of God's Holy Spirit as we yield to him as well. I'll be up front. If you want to ask a question afterwards, I'd be happy to talk with you. Uh, If you want to come up and tell me that you're happily married and things are going great, you can do that too if you want. But uh, if there's something that you seriously maybe have a question about or would like prayer for, I'd like to invite you to to come up for for prayer as well. So let's pray. In fact, I'd like to ask you to stand because we're going to be dismissed with this prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you for the great privilege of being in your presence. And I ask that you would help us be faithful to you, whether we're single or married, whether we were married or want to be married, Lord, I ask that you would help us just to honor you in our relationships. I ask that you would help every Christian husband to lovingly serve and lead his wife, to take responsibility for the important things in life. 
and to do that willingly and lovingly and, and in consultation with her. And I ask that, Lord, you would work in every Christian wife, that she would honor her husband and, and submit to him. And, Lord, when we hear that, it, it just makes us cringe, we admit. But we thank you that that's exactly what you did, Lord Jesus, when you submitted to your Father's will and you submitted to death and you gave yourself to set us free. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to follow your example in serving one another and honoring one another in our marriages for your honor and for your glory. And we ask and pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.